Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week we're in chambers clearing the docket. How are you, Judge Hodgman? Have a hockey docky Christmas. The docket clearing time of the year. <laughs> I don't know if there'll be snow. So have a cup of hot Dr. Pepper. That's something you love, right, Jesse? Hot Dr. Pepper with lemon. Can I tell you something? That ju- this just came up for me. I'm not trying to brag or buzz market here. But I'm featured in History History Channel's series of specials, Christmas Through the Decades. Mm -hmm. And when I went in there, they gave me a list. You know, it's one of these shocking head shows, like... yeah, you know, like I love the '70s or whatever, or, or I or I love or I love the '80s or I love the mid '90s, especially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, uh, I they gave me a long list of Christmas stuff mm-hmm. to talk about, mm-hmm. and I think that because I'm a public radio host, maybe they thought I was older than I am because almost all of the other talking heads on this thing are in their golden years. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell. There's one of the Brady Bunch. Um, Boomer Esiason, the former quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, um, just people like that. So, sure. so they gave me this list of things that happened at Christmas in the '50s, '60s, and '70s when I was not alive, mm-hmm. and almost none of them did I have anything to say about. But on that list was Hot Dr Pepper, which was mm-hmm. in the '60s one. But and I told them. I have had hot Dr. Pepper. Sure. I am prepared to talk about hot Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Like, I came in hot. I said, I'll talk about any of these you want. I'll make up some bon mots. I'll right. uh, throw a few witticisms your way. I'll just say they're really big if you need somebody to say something's big or small or whatever. And, but I really, I know about two things, Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas Special yep. and hot Dr. Pepper. And they did not ask me about hot Dr. Pepper. I think so, they, they cut me out of the 60s one completely, and it was in the 60s one. So for those of you who have not been listening from the beginning, I believe we talked about hot Dr. Pepper with a slice of lemon, or yeah. Jesse Thorne instructed me about it in, in, in one of the earliest episodes. And you know why I remember, Jesse? Why is that, Judge Hodgman? Because I'm your friend. Yeah. Because I'm your friend, and I remember the things you say to me, especially when they involve... The manipulation of soda pop into weird concoction and forgotten <laughs> and forgotten and slightly disgusting rituals of the holidays. <laughs> and you told me that in the 60s, and then I've since confirmed this by looking at old magazine ads, one of my favorite things to do in life. Yep. Uh, that uh, hot Dr. Pepper was a thing. Tell me more. Remind us for a moment, won't you? So here's what you do. If you want to make some hot Dr. Pepper at home, take this from the former president of the San Francisco High School of the Arts, Dr. Pepper Club, Jesse Thorne. Uh, You open the Dr. Pepper the night before and just let it sit open in your fridge so it goes a little bit flat. Mm -hmm. This is presuming you're drinking it as a morning drink. You know what? I'm telling you right now, that would have been a step that I would have skipped. I would have thought you just started out fresh with a nice fresh bottle. And then just throw it in the microwave until it explodes. It's no with a whole lemon. I cannot recommend. And then you lick out the inside of the microwave, no, right? Isn't I know. I don't think. No, sir. No, sir. Okay. I don't think All that's right. what you're supposed to do. Right. You heat Let it, it go flat. You heat it on the stovetop. Try not to boil it. Um and because uh, yeah, you don't want to develop a skin on top. <laughs> exactly those proteins. 
and uh, then you serve it with a, a wedge of lemon and use the lemon. I mean, squeeze the lemon. Uh, the lemon's an important part of it, and it's really quite good. I may, I may try it this year. I, you know, and uh, this is, I might give it a try. I mean, you have to like Dr. Pepper. Is yeah, I do. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, some people hate Dr. Pepper because it tastes like medicine. I like it because it tastes like medicine. I also like the taste of medicine. Yeah, yeah me too. Especially special medicine. Yeah. <laughs> this goes, Dr. Pepper, like Moxie, dates back to a time when these soda pops were medicine. They were sold at the pharmacy as patent medicines. Indeed, as we all know, Coca-Cola was served as a medicinal compound of, of the cola nut and coca leaf. Unless you get Coca Cola, and uh, and that's and I like Dr Pepper because it tastes like medicine. I like Diet Dr Pepper. Could I do it with Diet Dr Pepper? Because you know I'm watching my figure. I don't think you can boil uh, the artificial sweeteners. I don't think they react well to being boiled. If I remember correctly, can I do it with Moxie? Uh, you could probably give it a try with Moxie, and then it'll taste like a combination of soda pop and bran flakes, or whatever it is that Moxie tastes like. Instead of the. Instead of the lemon, can I substitute uh, moxie and uh, grain alcohol? Yeah, absolutely. That's called a hot moxie. More holiday tips and tricks from the from the docket clearing chambers. Judge uh, Hodgman. Not just Christmas time. May I also say to all of our listeners, uh, happy Hanukkah, uh, good, good, uh, good uh, solstice, good Saturnalia to you, uh, good I don't believe in anything, non-denominational holiday cheer to you all. No, let's move on to the future. We have we have a docket to clear. Let's go hockey docky holiday time. Here's something from Matt. My wife and I, along with a few friends, attended your recent show in Boston. It was excellent. We waited in line after the show to meet you. While in line, I had a piece of gum and offered pieces to the rest of my group. They accepted. Here's the issue. They took the package and paid no attention to the order in which they withdrew the pieces. What? No attention? (laughs) The reasonable way would be to take them left to right, top to bottom. They took them willy-nilly and left me with a mess. I'm not a monster. I share with friends, as manners dictate. But I do seek an injunction against my friends and fellow podcast listeners to stop withdrawing pieces at random and follow the natural order of the packaging. What kind of packaging do you think it is, Judge Hodgman? Blister pack? Well, that's the thing. With gum packages these days, it's willy-nilly. Who knows? Yeah. There's so many different kinds. You've got your blister packs, your regular. You know what? And Jesse, by the way, we've already talked about Dr. Pepper and Moxie. I'm not going to hold back. I'm just going to mention brand names. You've got your Dentine Ice Denture Packs. You've got your Trident Little Tiny Dried Up Brick of Gum. You have your uh, Dentine Ice uh, that the sort of... It opens like a little book, and then there are blister packs in there. You got your classic juicy fruit, long, uh, long sticks with that powder on the top, uh, all over it. You know, but I, I don't even know where this guy is coming from with regard to what package it is, uh, or what the natural order of any of these packages would be. But I have formed a verdict. Jesse, do you want to take a guess at what my correct opinion is going to be by offering your correct or incorrect opinion? Right now, I'm I'm thinking about fruit stripe gum and that uh, that crazy zebra. Oh, that's what I was thinking of when I said juicy fruit. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, this is like a this is like a non-denominational holiday present to me. The chance to say all of these brand names, I feel completely <laughs> liberated. Yeah, that zebra was fantastic, or zebra, as they say, as Trevor Noah says on the Daily Show. Uh, did he have a name? I wonder. Yeah, that is a good question. There's no way I could find out by typing it. 
You decide. You decide the case, and I'll find out if he has a name. How about that? No, you give me your opinion, and I'm going to see. I'm going to do this. My opinion is that um, it is it, it is an absurd and unreasonable thing to ask your friends to take a particular thing out of the package. And if you have a traditional stick gum, uh, the polite thing to do is to pull a piece out slightly and offer it to them with one stick sticking out, in which Um, case you would have control over the situation. Yeah, that's if you if you if you absolutely need to control your gum. That's right. That's what that is. What a power play to pull out a little bit of fruit stripe and say, this is one. This one is for you. I picked it especially. You will see if it has poison in it. You will find out. But yes, Jesse, you're absolutely correct. Your opinion is correct. If you are the kind of person who is driven to distraction over the arrangement of gum in its package, you should not offer it to friends. Keep it for yourself in the order that makes you sleep well at night and just feel lucky that you have friends. By the way, zebra's name, Yipes. You know, rappers contain tattoos of yipes, inline skating, playing baseball, hang gliding, playing basketball, bicycling, snowboarding, surfing, playing soccer, playing tennis, and eating grass. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the official extreme sport of the zebra community. Did you find did you find a Wikipedia a secret Wikipedia page dedicated to Yipes the Zebra? I'm looking at the Fruit Strike Gum Wikipedia page, which features a subsection entitled Mascots. Oh, there we are. This is where you learn that the character known as Fruit Stripe Gum Man promoted yeah. the product as late as nineteen sixty seven. Fruit Stripe Gum Man, the most unimaginative mascot of all time. Not to mention Connor the Tiger plus the elephant and the mouse, who didn't have names apparently. But it was the cartoon zebra named Yipes who outlasted the other characters to become Fruit Stripe's long-standing soul mascot, period. Oh, and here's the sentence you just quoted. It's so great. Well, this is another gift to ourselves. We deserve it. Let's just quote Wikipedia pages all day. <laughs> I, think a, I think that would not make a bad podcast. Just no. once a week, just one Wikipedia page, and you just read out loud the funny parts. That would be well, maybe a new podcast coming to the Maximum Fun family. But for now, I believe we have some more justice to dispense. Brandon writes, I seek an injunction against my girlfriend, Amy. Her family has a tradition of using special themed holiday plates on Christmas. These plates, while classy, often have images of trees or deer and have multiple varied colors. As an avid home cook, I find that food almost always looks better and cleaner on a white plate. I take pride in my presentation and often do a lot of cooking at the holidays. When Amy and I move in together in the future and begin hosting holidays, should she be allowed to pick the tableware if I'm the one doing the majority of the cooking? Bailiff Jesse Thorne, let me say I loved your pronunciation of the word white there. I really heard that in the white. I went to a theater school. Is that so... <laughs> Uh, Jesse, I have formed an opinion, one of which is, uh, Brandon's a little bit of a creep because he brought up one issue and then asked a completely different question. Uh, but I have an opinion on both the issue that he raised, which is the holiday plate issue. And then the second issue that he raised with regard to who gets to pick their tableware, uh, should they move in together in the future? Uh, which I presume means everyday tableware, because I don't think they're going to be using holiday plates all year long. 
But before I reveal my correct verdict, uh, Jesse, do you have a, a thought how, how I'm going to rule? My vision is clouded by jealousy and envy of people who live in places where their homes are so vast that they have china cabinets that allow for seasonally themed china sets. That's amazing to me. Mm -hmm. I have one set of dishes. Like my my mom is a you know an antique stealer part time, and uh, mm -hmm. she'll occasionally come across a really nice set of china and call me and say, "Do you want special occasion china?" And I don't have somewhere to put it. I have nowhere to put it. Right. So. I am so jealous that someone would not only have special occasion dishes, but also have seasonally specific special occasion dishes. Sure. My inner Martha Stewart is, is green with envy right now. So, some people in states like Minnesota or any other state that isn't Los Angeles <laughs> yeah. city state or New York city state. They have homes. They might even have a room just just for tableware. You know what I'm saying? They have outbuildings. I've seen American pickers. Sure, you might have a you might have a china shed in your backyard. I'll tell you, you know, if I lived in one of those places, you bet I'd have a china shed. Absolutely, they'd, they'd call you. There's China Shed Jesse. That would be your nickname. Yeah, but it wouldn't even be that because it would be so normal. It'd be just calling like calling you Mister Jesse. And then the American pickers would come over and they'd say. Hey, uh, this is a nice china shed, but where's all the petroleana? And I would say, sorry, guys, china shed only. It's been a while since I've watched American Pickers. Do they actually call it petroleana, or is that your term for the gas station junk that they are so convinced people in the world want to buy from them and probably do? They totally call it petroleana, but they, but they generally prefer to call it like transportation collectibles or something because it sounds less ridiculous. So I will now rule on both issues. One. If Brandon is making dinner, be it a holiday dinner or a non-holiday dinner, he should absolutely be allowed to choose the plates that he is using to serve the food on. If, on the other hand, Amy is cooking and she has brought some ugly holiday plates with her from her family home or bought her own, she can choose to serve mashed potatoes and what have you, on the butt of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This goes to settled law in the court of Judge Sean Hodgman. The person who does the work gets to decide. Settled law, as you might have seen on a t-shirt or a poster or a tea towel over at tapatico.com in the Judge John Hodgman store. As far as going forward, who should pick the tableware? Uh, if you guys are moving in together, uh, you must come to... Uh, an agreement upon the tableware. And I think that it is perfectly reasonable to say I am willing to compromise in terms of shape and heft and every other aspect of the tableware, but I must insist that the plates be white because that's what I like. And I mention that because, A, uh, uh, that's a reasonable compromise, and B, because plates should be white. Do you disagree, Jesse? Should plates be different colors? Uh, my plates are blue, Judge Hodgman. All right. I have some nice Heath Ceramics plates. Got them yeah, on Craigslist. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, now that I think about it, we're, we're rocking a bunch of Rowan Trees pottery plates from, uh, from Maine, and not one of them is white. But if I had, if I had my druthers, they would be. Or maybe I, a pale eggshell. I have to say this. I love Christmas, 
And as much as I understand the idea that he wants to plate this food beautifully for his relatives... I think he should probably ease off the throttle a little bit. I mean, I'm not I'm not, I don't not saying you should order him to do so. I'm saying as a matter of courtesy, ease off the throttle a little bit and just enjoy the fact that they have a special set of plates with deers on them just for Christmas. Christmas is great. I love Christmas. Yeah, but but are but here's the thing. If if obviously if he's going over to Amy's family's house for holiday supper, he can't tell them what plates to serve it on. It'll be on those It'll be on those janky, weird Christmas plates, no matter what, right? So the question is, if he's serving Christmas dinner and they're all coming over to his house, doesn't he get a right? Doesn't he have the right to choose what plate he uses? Yes, I think he has the right to, but uh, I think I think were I in his position, I would respect my wife's uh, wish to choose festive tableware over the tableware that most uh, most highlighted my molecular gastronomy or nouveau cuisine oh. or whatever it is that he's doing that where plating is so important. Oh, he's, there's no there's no question that he's a pretentious snob. He's piping but, sauces over things. Yeah, and and different foams. Right? Yeah, yeah, and you know I'm surprised he didn't manage to mention sous vide cooking somewhere in this thing, but. To, <laughs> To me, to me, this is all, that's all a smokescreen for the fact that he just finds these plates ugly and doesn't ever want to see them. And I guess on some level, even having not seen them, I agree with him. And so uh, I, I still, I stand by my verdict, which is if he is serving holiday dinner, he should serve it on sterile white plates and make everyone as miserable as he is in his heart. But if he's going over to their house for dinner, uh, does he can't complain about these plates? He's got to eat. He's got to. He's got to eat what's served before him by the person who did the work, just like every child. And then I guess going forward, you know what? I I take back my verdict. I know that you want white plates, and if you can sell Amy on that, fine. But you should be open to what Amy and her family background has to offer. How does that sound, Jesse? That sounds pretty good to me. Bah humbug. No, I take it back. White plates only for you, Brandon. You deserve it. <laughs> you and your you and your subscription to Lucky Peach magazine deserve solid, it. Solid, solid, or sol or or okay, solid colors, but patterns on plates. Bleh. I'm with him on this one. I'm sorry. We'll be back with more Judge John Hodgman in just a second. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2020-24, 2020-24. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. 
Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. We're clearing the docket. Judge Hodgman, you have a nice break? Just now? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I went to Western Massachusetts. 
uh, I finally saw Ant-Man starring Paul Rudd. Uh-huh. Uh, I've I, heard uh, that's really fun. I, I, uh, I heated up a lot of leftovers and um, started uh, doing some early, uh, or I should say now, rather late uh, holiday shopping. It was fun. And then I came back here to help clear the docket. Hey, I want to plug something before we clear the docket all the way out. Uh, I, as you know, am the proprietor of the menswear blog, Put This On. I do know. Uh, we have a uh, uh, an online shop that is full of beautiful holiday gifts for the gentleman in your life, or the less than gentleman. Uh, it's at putthisonshop.com. And uh, I will say that I will make the code BATBROTHERS for free shipping from that shop. Why not? So, yeah, putthisonshop.com. Well, you know what? I just navigated to it, and I already see that the floral indigo Japanese burrow and silk scarf is sold out, and I would have bought that in a second. I better, I better get on this right away. Yeah, you got, you got to get up in there. There's, there's a few other borrow scarves. Okay, here we go from Yvette. I bring the case against my younger sister, Kimberly. Kimberly is a very fun and sweet 10-year-old girl, and we get on extremely well. She's great company for anyone, aside from the fact that she is a loud sneezer. I would say an excessively loud sneezer. I think it's possible to control how you sneeze. In fact, I've trained myself to sneeze with perfect daintiness. I used to be a dramatic sneezer until I grew up. I'm now 23. That, that by the way, is not my added inflection. Grew up is in capital letters. Sure. And realized that dramatic sneezing is downright annoying. She apparently moved on to dramatic capital letter use. <laughs> my sister and my parents get upset when I reprimand her for sneezing too loudly. But her loud sneezes are hurting my ears and tainting her generally lovely character. Wow, it's a character issue. Sure. I ask that the judge rule that she, one, acknowledge that it's possible to control how you sneeze, and two, practice her sneezing until she's able to sneeze more quietly and sweetly. Jesse Thorne, do you have a do you have you uh, practiced your sneeze? Yeah, I went to theater school, Judge Hodgman. <laughs> and what does it sound like? I just go, too. Me too. I go, too. Mine is actually a lot of times people will say, "Is there a sweet songbird in the room with me right now?" And I'll say, "No, no, no. It's simply seasonal aller allergies." Uh I am uh, I am deeply attuned to this issue um, because, for one, I have a monstrously loud sneeze if I am not paying attention. If I am alone in the house and not paying attention, my sneeze will sound more like the guttural yell of a man who is being murdered. Ah! It's more or less my sneeze. And this alarms all humans, including me. And I realize I wish I had not done that. And the fact that I don't do it all the time, I think, proves that Yvette is correct. You can train yourself to sneeze in a certain way. I'm also attuned to this because there is a young person in my home who pays no rent uh, and is related to me. Uh, I won't reveal who he is, but he is one of my two children, the one who is the boy. Uh, who, who, uh, can I who, guess? Is it Johnny Depp? Yes, that's right. He's my, he's my distant cousin. He lives in my house, and he's got a terrible, terrible habit of snorting during dry winter months. Just really gross noises all the time. And it is 
heartbreaking because, of course, this is uh, Johnny Depp is a young person. Yeah. You don't want to overly criticize Johnny Depp because it might impede Johnny Depp's development as he grows up into a full human being. And this is actually appropriate for Johnny Depp because even though he is older than I am, I think he's still far from being a grown up. And I, I've met Johnny Depp. He's been over to my house when you and your wife came for dinner, and he's a generally yeah. very well-mannered young man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's not – he knows uh, enough not to d make the noises that he's making in public, uh, but only when Johnny Depp is at home quietly watching Adventure Time by himself. And then it will get quite loud as he attempts to clear phlegm from the various cavities in his head. <laughs> and it is gross. And it is gross. And you don't ever want to tell Johnny Depp, you know what, Johnny Depp? You're being gross. But then you realize that you have to. Sometimes you have to tell Johnny Depp you're being gross. You know, and the reason that Johnny Depp knows not to do this in public or at school anymore is because he had people, grownups who lived with him, who were able to say to him, that's something like burping or farting that you have to do in private. You can't just let her rip. All the time. Now, this is not a sneeze. A sneeze is uh, a, a semi-involuntary action. But if any of you have listened to this podcast for more than two or three weeks in a row, you know that I have a, I have a terrible problem with coughing. Sometimes I go into coughing fits and I need to take a break from the show. And what I do whenever possible, and Jesse, you can attest to this, is I put on my mute button and I go take care of my business in private and quiet. It is important, perhaps the most important rule of grown-ups who live with young people like Johnny Depp or even their own children uh, who are developing to help them be in the world. That is to say, don't bend the world around the whims and needs of your children, but train them slowly, affectionately, gently to appreciate that they sometimes have to bend their behavior to the world of civilized human beings around you. Sneezes are involuntary, and you can't always control the level at which they come out, but you can control them a certain bit. And what I suspect is happening here, Yvette, is that you are 23 and your sister is 10. That's a 13-year difference. Perhaps there's a half-sister situation or a second marriage, or perhaps your parents just had a child much later in life than they expected to, and now that child is 10 years old, and she is getting to be a teenager, and soon they will be, uh, she will be leaving their uh, their world to some degree within 10 years or so and 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 their last grasp on youth and vitality will slip through their fingers and the, they relish every moment of it even the loud sneezes and they don't want you to interfere with that but Yvette's younger sister Kimberly you got to take it down a notch with your sneezing I'm telling you I'm telling you it's, it's gross to yell sneeze at the table do it privately, but try to find a way to just take it down a little bit. Cover your mouth, sneeze politely. I think it can be done. Am I a monster for ordering a 10-year-old? Perhaps. But, am I, but you look at Johnny Depp, that guy's got a career now. <laughs> because I told him to stop snorting in front of everybody all the time. Here's something from Brandon. Brandon's back? I love my wife, but I detest one thing that she does. Oh, this is a different Brandon from the one whose girlfriend is Amy. Or maybe it's the same Brandon who's living an extremely libertine lifestyle. I think we can, we can presume that um, this is a side family issue for Brandon. Okay, cool. I love my wife, but I detest one thing that she does. She constantly asks me why I'm going on such long business trips. <laughs> <laughs> and bringing my white plates with me. 
She will leave the toothpaste in the shower. What? I find this not only weird, but incredibly gross. She thinks this is the best place since it's where she does all of her body cleaning. I think that the toothpaste should be in the cabinet next to the sink. Is she cleaning her body with toothpaste? The shower is a terrible place to put toothpaste. The toothpaste cap is often slightly open, and chemicals that should not be in your mouth could get in. Please enjoin my wife from keeping the toothpaste in the same spot as where people clean their butt. (laughs) Well, wait a minute. I don't think... The whole bathroom technically is a butt cleaning area. Yeah. You can't define the shower to the simple purpose of butt cleaning. That You're really giving short shrift to the range of important activities that go on in the shower. And maybe you're thinking about it a little too much, Brandon. But before I give you my verdict, Jesse, do you have a, do you have a verdict of your own to offer? I don't understand how it got in there. Is she one of these people that brushes their teeth in the shower? If yes. I think that's, I think that's what you have to presume. If yes, I honestly, I kind of admire that. I think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty neat. I like it when I hear about people who brush their teeth in the shower. I'd never heard of it before. I think there must be a compromise, which is they each have their own tube of toothpaste. I don't think that that's going to do it for Brandon. Well, that's, and you, that's and you Brandon's know that we don't, deal. We don't. We don't believe in compromise on this show. Someone is right and someone is wrong. Yeah, then I think it's I think it's gross and weird. There is something gross about it, I have to say. But is it gross because it is empirically gross or is it just ahead of its time? Is I this think an, all, is this a, is this a disruptive thing? Like no, should we not be regulating it? Oh, I see what you mean. Because a, 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 yeah. A, a positive is she is she a is she a shower technology disruptor? Exactly. Should we be, should we, as representatives of a fake court system, be in the business of regulating innovation within the shower? Precisely. Well, I will say that most of Brandon's arguments are bogus. As we have established, the shower is for much, much more than butt cleaning. And if you only think that it's for butt cleaning, then Brandon, I think you're showering wrong. Saying the argument, the, the argument that the toothpaste is going to be contaminated by other chemicals is specious at best. What chemicals are we talking about? Shampoo, right? I don't know. What do you use to wash? I use 409. Right. Anything that you, anything that you would traditionally use in the shower that gets into the toothpaste. Worst possible scenario, I'm talking about shampoo, conditioner, soap, anything in there. You could, I, I'm not encouraging you to do this, but you could probably swallow a teaspoon of it and you'd be fine. I don't think they're putting a lot of toxic stuff into the, into the stuff that you're using in your, in your butt cleaning stall, AKA shower. Now that said, please don't children, don't immediately stop your cars, pull into the nearest butt cleaning stall center and start guzzling shampoo all day long because I told you to. Don't do it. But I'm saying I don't see a world in which that's a real problem. And finally, I think the only thing that Brandon is really upset about here is a more metaphysical issue. He's unable to deal existentially with the crossing of the streams, as it were the toothpaste stream and the shampoo stream. 
something about it just rubs him the wrong way. And I have to confess, it does me too. But I can't order her not to, to, not to brush her teeth in the shower. She's saving time. Yeah, we that's... need to see, we as a society need to see where this is going to go. I don't think anyone should ever ban anything as cool as someone brushing their teeth, brush, brushing their teeth in the shower. That's like something Magnum PI does. That said, and at the risk of this family podcast going a little further into the gross realm, if what Brandon is saying is that she is using toothpaste to clean her butt, then I agree. Let's not do that anymore. That's probably bad for your butt. Yeah, that's probably true. I rule in the favor of shower toothpaste wife. We've got one more here. It's from Ken. I suggested to my friend recently that David Mitchell should appear on the Judge John Hodgman podcast as both PCs, each coming from a different legal system, would be interesting. David Mitchell being a British comedian who appeared as the PC in the British uh, uh, Mac versus PC advertisements. And PC being the character I played in the American Get a Mac Mac versus PC advertisements of almost a decade ago, just for those of you who have no idea. I'm willing to accept that there are humans who don't know what, I'm, what we're talking about now, sadly. Yeah, it is pretty sad to know that there are people out there who haven't seen Peep Show yet. This led to the discussion of whether or not Mitchell or Hodgman may even legally refer to the use of potential non-Apple products. He says Apple can demand they not bring it up. That seems like an unreasonable contractual demand. Is this true? Who is right? I actually, before we started this show, Judge Hodgman made me sign a contract that, would, that said that I should never admit that I once owned a Windows phone. That's a true story that I just made up. I wish I could tell you that I'm laughing, but I'm crying. Ken, you have no idea how much I wish... I was in a contract with Apple demanding that I never mention a non-Apple product. You have no idea, because that would mean I'm still in a contract with Apple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that and was that, a pretty good job. <laughs> was, you know what, Jesse? I love making a podcast with you. I love work, working on The Daily Show. I love everything that I do very much. Uh, I loved uh, the guest spot on the NBC hit television show Blind Spot that I just filmed. Over the past two weeks, created by my bored-to-death friend, Martin Guerra. Watch it in the new year. I mean, watch the show whenever you want. It's still on, but I won't be on it until the new year. Uh, and I won't say no more. But, uh, yeah, that, those ads that I did for four years, 2006, we're, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of the first recording of it, which was in April of 2006. And then it came out in, in May of 2006. And, we, and the last one we shot was in January of 2010 and transformed my life in so many ways, most importantly, with great friendships with uh, Phil Morrison, the director, and obviously Justin Long, the Mac. And, of course, Putty from Seinfeld. Oh, Putty. Oh, my God. That's right. Um, What's his name? Brock Mayhem? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Patrick Warburton. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Just so many great memories and such a good time and, 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 and maybe the greatest job I ever had. I would do it in one white hot second uh, to do it again. And so, yeah, I wish, I wish that, uh, that Apple could ban me and David Mitchell 
from talking about non-Apple products, but uh, but they they have moved on, as as it happens in life. No hard feelings. Uh, I would be sad if they were just re rehashing the same old ad campaign ten years later. Uh, sad, but very happy at the same time. But sad. It's better for them and better for all of us that we move on. And the only thing I I don't wish more would be that David Mitchell come on this podcast because I think he's a genius and I would love for him to do it. So maybe that maybe we could reach out to him and see if that could happen. That would be pretty amazing. David Mitchell was once on The Sound of Young America, my public radio show, uh, with a, under the name that uh, preceded Bullseye and uh, was delightful. Yeah. So if any of you don't know what we're talking about, uh, go to your Netflix or uh, a streaming and stealing center near you and look up that uh, Mitchell and Webb, the comedic duo of which uh, David Mitchell is one half, and, uh, and their sitcom peep show or their sketch show, that Mitchell and Webb look, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, particularly enjoy the sketch called Number Wang. Yeah, just, just Google Number Wang right now. If you haven't seen Number Wang, your priorities in life are a disaster. Yeah. Remember when, when we you were told- a pile of, I mean, you are not living your best life. Oprah would be very upset with you. Remember when we told you about Brass Eye and you went and streamed and stole that? Look, you had, now you're a different person and a better one. Just do everything we say. No Go way. watch Mitchell and Webb. Drink some hot Dr. Pepper with lemon. If you're uh, 21 or older and doing so responsibly, heat up some moxie and add a little uh, grain alcohol or whiskey. See what that tastes like. Gross. Serve food on decorative plates if that's what your girlfriend wants. And generally and sincerely have a very happy and healthy holiday at the end of 2015 from your friend, representative of fake internet law, Judge John Hodgman and his friend. What's your name again? Ah, boy. I, uh, my mom gave it to me. Um, oh, uh, Jesse Thorne. Jesse Thorne, bailiff Jesse Thorne. Have a hockey docky Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Our producer, Julia Smith, editor Mark McConville, go to maximumfund.org slash JJHO to submit your case. Like us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Hodgman and at Jesse Thorne. Uh, like us on Facebook. Join us on Reddit at maximumfund.reddit.com. And we'll talk to you next time on the Judge Sean Hodgman podcast. Oh, bad mic skills. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.